This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Ho, 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 hello, and welcome back to Bar Humbug, the Christmas movies podcast that really only wants one thing for Christmas, and that is Hannah Waddingham's wardrobe and also figure and also ability to be freaking awesome. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Helen O'Hara, and uh, I'm your host for another episode of this Christmas movies focused podcast. Today, we are talking about Hannah Waddingham No Way Home. Sorry, no. Hannah Waddingham Far From Home. Sorry, no. Hannah Waddingham. Home for Christmas, which is the new Apple TV Christmas special hosted by and starring Hannah Waddingham. If you don't know her, oh boy, do you have some fun ahead of, of you. She is the woman who cried shame in Game of Thrones, but she is also the extremely glamorous Rebecca in Ted Lasso. And she is a massive Broadway and West End star has been for literally decades before people became aware of her TV work, really, and uh, and has kind of made herself into one of the modern bombshells of the world. Well, joining me to discuss her today is one of the other bombshells of the world, the tallest and most glamorous film journalist I know. Please welcome Charlotte Harrison. How are you doing? I'm okay, Helen. I have the seasonal lurgy. Oh no. But it is How worth... are you going to hit high C with that? Come on. <laughs> I think I could hit high C of my uh, bestest dreams. But um, I'm very happy to be here and to talk about a, yeah, a bombshell, as you say. Who is five foot eleven? I checked before coming on today. Does that mean you're a little bit taller than her? Yeah, <laughs> about an Yay. inch. So I was thinking about this. If we stood like in a line, Hannah Waddingham mm-hmm. could be there. I could be in the middle, and then Gwendolyn Christie at six foot three. <gasps> That's a sandwich you want to be in. My God, <laughs> cool, cool women. Um, so when did you first become aware of her? Were you one of the people who really, you know, picked up on her around Ted Lasso? I think it would have been, yeah. And I was one of those people who got into Ted Lasso during COVID uh, when it was like everyone seemed to get into Ted Lasso. I can't claim to be one of those cool people who was in the know on that occasion. And I just remember thinking how she carried herself in the show. She was so watchable. And especially, obviously, the show is so many men, football team. And yet you want to know more about her story, even though she was a villain, I suppose, technically for season one. Technically, yeah. So anybody who hasn't seen Ted Lasso, because I am conscious that like three people have Apple TV um, and, and I get it. There's a lot of services. Apple TV, I think, has a smaller selection than some, I think it's fair to say. Um, although I think a lot of what's there is bangers, like total bangers and Ted Lasso being sort of a crown jewel among those bangers. So it is the story of Jason Sudeikis's 
American football coach who is hired by Rebecca, Hannah Waddingham's character, who is the new owner of an English football team, Richmond, uh, AFC Richmond, which is uh, a fictional team, just in, in case anyone isn't aware. And the idea is that she has been, she has basically won the team in her divorce settlement from an absolute monster of a man played by Giles from Buffy. And uh, he, he probably has another name, but we, we won't go into it. And uh, she basically is determined to drive this team into the ground by hiring this complete idiot. And Ted Lasso turns out to be, yes, a complete idiot, but also a very wise man in some ways. And um, everybody ends up loving every everyone else. And it is one of the most warm-hearted and feel-good and encouraging shows on TV, mostly even though it kind of turns from a comedy into a drama and goes to some slightly odd places by the third season. But that first season, and most of the second, I would say, is pretty perfect. Uh, and she is a large part of the reason why, as are many of the other cast members who also appear, just to bring it back to the topic, in this Christmas special. And it's interesting, I think the words I'd use to describe Lasso would also apply to this. The idea of it's mm-hmm. warm and nice and community and efficient <laughs> in terms of what it manages to do in its runtime. This special is, what, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. if that. And it just breezes through very nicely, a little bit of narrative, a little bit of jokes, a little bit of loveliness, and then it's done, like Ted Lasso. Yeah, it is very much in and out. And in fact, more efficient than, I think, Ted Lasso's later seasons, because mm, um, it really is quite disciplined. I mean, look, people may be sitting there going, Helen, this is meant to be a Christmas movies podcast. What are you doing covering this? Well, first of all, one of the things we covered in, I think the very first year of this was the Mariah Carey Christmas special. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was to discuss that with my friend Maria Lewis, who is a massive Mariah Carey fan. So the precedent has been set. I'm sorry, the seal has been broken on that. And also, I just think Hannah Waddingham's a really interesting figure. And I think this approach is a really interesting approach because this kind of does go back to a big uh, British thing, doesn't it? Of like the variety show. Uh, this is this is something that you and I, I think Charlotte, have grown up with mm. on TV. Whether or not we necessarily go out of our way always to watch them, but this was a staple of British TV culture since I think the beginning of TV. I th- I think no, yeah. I would obviously I I wasn't there. I'm not David Attenborough, <laughs> but. I feel like um, it's been around forever and it goes back through sort of popular entertainers of the day. So you've got the sort of the Morecambe and Wises doing Christmas specials and and then, you know, all of these kind of comedy legends who would come up would, would kind of do a stint of hosting, let, let's say, a show from the Palladium. There's also a tradition of sort of, what do they call the royal ones? The Is it literally shows. just... Yeah, the Royal Variety Show. The Royal show. Variety Show. It's literally the Royal Variety Show, um, which again, you just have... A, a prince or somebody in the audience and then everyone does their usual stuff but with slightly less swearing so this has a bit of that bit of that energy to it I have to lift the curtain on this show for a minute okay so I, I really enjoy first of all I will say I really enjoyed Hannah, Hannah Waddingham it was the first Christmas thing that I watched this season it dropped on Apple TV's sort of preview site I think at the beginning of November so I watched it really really early it was my way in and it was Really fun, right? I mean, I, let's just quick, quick top line. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, really fun. Nice, good time. Boom, boom, done. Yes, all you need. Um, now here is the here is the bit where I lift the curtain a little bit. Okay. I was actually invited to the recording of this, and it is one of the great regrets of my life that I wasn't able to go. 
So I was invited. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it was, I was invited on the 23rd of May. I've just found the email. Whoa. It was recorded on May 27th. There may have been a couple of nights recording. I don't know, but they, they certainly did some recording on May 27th. It was my niece's birthday. Now it is testament to how much I love her. Let me go on the record here. You know, if you're listening in 15 years and you're being a moody teenager, Aoife, this is the evidence that your Auntie Helen loves you. Because I missed Hannah Waddingham's recording of a Christmas special just to go to your birthday party. I just want that on the record. But I do think it's fascinating how much of a Christmassy atmosphere they managed to create Mm. in May. I almost want to go back and rewatch it because I'm picturing how May was, like temperature-wise, vibes-wise, to walk into the Coliseum and pretend it's Christmas. They do a very effective job. I would almost would have believed it was like last month or something as opposed to eight months ago. It was, yeah. And I, I mean, look, it's possible they did a few bits later on, you know, like that walk-in. Maybe they did wait until the weather changed a bit um, mm. because I certainly wouldn't want to be wearing a white velvet fur-lined cloak oh. cape, maybe. I'm not sure of the exact difference uh, in May. But I'm not Hannah Waddingham and I don't have her glamour and maybe she can just do that. She really didn't need the hot tub scene considering the weather <laughs> and temperature. I mean, honestly, if you were given the chance to write yourself a hot tub, tub scene with Brett Goldstein and apparently they wrote those scenes together she and her guest stars so with Juno Temple as well with Brett Goldstein um so you know it's a temptation I'm just saying I think he suggested it (laughs) this doesn't surprise me (laughs) (laughs) it seems I look like this I need opportunities to show it like that guy in Rebel Moon who didn't wear a shirt who was allergic to shirts yeah, well, I, I I have heard it's a serious condition that if he if he wears a shirt, wears a shirt, he could explode. Oh, it's, it's don't a real, want that happening. It's a real problem for some men. Real problem for some men. Um, God bless them. But yes, I mean, she she uh, she did do it in in May, and and so I guess everybody had to, you know, Christmas up pretty early. And this is standard. I know this is standard for Christmas films, etc. I'm not I'm not completely naive. So you have you know the all these Christmas movies like spraying down fake snow all over, uh, all over the world. If you, if you go back to our Your Christmas or Mine interviews last year, I know they talked a lot about the artificial snow being an absolute nightmare. But still, I feel like, you know, there's enough velvet, there's enough glitter, there's enough sort of satin here that it feels extremely Christmassy. And then we get into the songs. Any favourites for you? I think The Man With The Bag just has that kind of vibe. The Man With The Bag. You know what? That is a Christmas song that is not on any of my current Christmas playlists. And I feel like it should be. And I feel like I've been overlooking something. So that is going to that is going to go on there. I have to say, her rendition of Holy Night, Oh Holy Night, mm. pretty much destroyed me. I thought that was, I mean, astonishing. So the, the thing about Hannah Waddingham is, as well as being, as we say, this TV show star and this Broadway star, she is also a classically trained singer. She's not just trained for for sort of show tunes she's also trained for kind of opera and it kind of sometimes comes out here and in particular in that oh holy night song which is one of i think the most beautiful christmas carols that you can mm. have i'll tell you how important that is in my hometown in northern ireland in the catholic church they used to bring in and brace yourself here charlotte a protestant man oh. to sing that song just because he had the best voice in the area. That's how seriously we take Oh Holy Night. In Northern Ireland, mind you, in the 90s. So 
Did you get like a special a stage song. to stand on? Well, lightning never struck the church, so I guess we're okay. Yeah, we're all good. <laughs> I really liked that kind of context given about her with her mother and the history and with her daughter as well. I know it was cheesy and I know it was really convenient. I was eight, my daughter is eight. I'm here for it though. Maybe because of my affection for her, I fell for it on board. Yeah, I thought that was lovely because I think, you know, having that family history and okay, you know, maybe she was, you know, neatening it slightly with the ages. Mm. You might be right. But if so, only slightly because, you know, the dates actually match up, like the dates work out for that to be the case. And I think it's also, you know, impressive to to sort of look at that kind of legacy, first of all, Mm. you know, having a, a mother who was able to work throughout her childhood in the performing arts, which was quite difficult because she wasn't a sort of, and and I say this with no disrespect intended to Mrs. Waddingham Sr., she was no, she wasn't like a a big A-list star making millions and millions of pounds. So it's it's difficult to raise a family and also have a career in the arts. And especially, it would have been especially difficult in the sort of 70s, 80s, whenever she was doing it. So like fair play to her. And I think it's it's a lovely thing then to pay tribute to that. It's a lovely thing to to connect up that kind of family history. Um, and also, you know, I think it, it's clear that Hannah Waddingham had such a creative role in this show that she's not just brought out to sing a couple of songs. You know, this is very much something that she has put together. It does feel handcrafted and personal in that way, doesn't it? And then even even if that also makes it feel sometimes a little bit silly and a little bit kind of not not school play. And I say, again, with no disrespect, (laughs) but not school play, but sort of, you know, community theatre kind of, this is just a bunch of people who know each other putting something on. She definitely feels woven into the entirety of the show. And you're right, at times the banter isn't necessarily top tier comedy writing, especially when you're comparing it to things like Ted Lasso, but it's, it's nice. And sometimes nice is a good thing. Especially at Christmas. Yeah, sometimes nice is enough, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I, I felt a little bit sorry for Nick Mohammed, who's once again, the butt of the jokes, getting stuck up in the rafters on a, on a harness um, for a while. Uh, he bore it with obviously an immense good humor and fun, but, I I, I kind of wanted a little bit of, you know, bit of glitter for him, figuratively. Yeah, although I will say her line about you've quite literally been hoist by your own batard. You knew who the audience was for that and it was me. And I liked that line a lot. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. I did look up once what a batard is. And it's apparently a small bomb used for blowing up gates and walls. So I'm not quite sure how you get hoist on it, if I'm honest. But I guess it's bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't want that to happen to me. I, I also don't want it to happen to me. I think that's absolutely <laughs> fair to say. Um, but yeah, no, he was he was cute. Um, I would really recommend if people haven't heard his off-menu episode. Um, off-menu is the one where people have to go to a sort of imaginary dream restaurant and describe their ideal hypothetical meal. And it is it is a brilliant podcast. His episode is horrifying. The, the food that Nick Muhammad chooses is horrifying. And, and I really can't express that enough. So go and listen to it, but don't say I didn't warn you about that. It's very funny, but it's horrifying. They've done a few collabs of that off-menu podcast with Brett Goldstein, and Brett doesn't really care for food. And since his fitness regime has stepped up, he's being more careful and cautious with his food. And it makes really baffling listening. Oh, God. So it's all just like chicken breast. 
Kind of, yeah. Although it was the running joke anyway. Which is a bit unlike Brett's podcast then with Phil Dunster, who appears also in Ted Lasso, who picked for his TV crush, Miss Honey, which I think we need to support. Any man who says Miss Honey was their crush. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to lift the curtain too much here, Charlotte, but you certainly have worked as a teacher. I, I wonder if that's why you have such affection for those choosing Miss Honey as their crush. This may be it. Although last year I had a kid who was in year 10 look around my room, kiss their teeth and went, it's like real Miss Honey vibes in here, isn't it? But said in a really negative way <laughs> that has had <gasps> me questioning whether that is something I do want to achieve. I don't know what to... What? Miss Honey is an entirely positive character. This child needs education. I hope you gave them one. Outrageous. <laughs> I mean, I had been trying, but... Uh, <laughs> I might start doing like a Rorschach test for Miss Honey or Miss Trunchbull to, if I'm going to get along yes. with someone. Which one of these is good? Which one of these is bad? Make it clear now. But, but speaking of Phil, voice of an angel. I had no idea. I mean, you know... If people hadn't been aware that Hannah Waddingham played things like the Lady in the Lake in Spamalot and roles like that, you know, they'd at least maybe heard her in Ted Lasso knocking it out of the park a few times in World, uh, you know, at karaoke or at that in the Christmas episode of Ted Lasso, actually, where she sings Baby Please Come Home, mm. you know, she her voice is astonishing. So you probably weren't completely surprised when she announced this Christmas special she's going to be singing. I was totally taken aback when Phil went up and sang with her and was very, very good. I agree because he was Mr. Charisma at the podcast recording. I remember thinking this man has a way with words and delivery that I was thinking a rom-com would be really nice for him. And then yes. the singing, I was like, and a karaoke scene in the rom-com, he's just got it sorted. This is this is all coming together. We need to write this immediately. That's a great idea. Um, I mean, other people in this, obviously, we we were aware they could sing. Sam Ryder, the one with the lovely long blonde hair, he was the UK's entry into Eurovision a couple of years ago, did very well, won over the hearts and minds of apparently the entire continent. Um, plus, for some reason, Australia, who are in Eurovision. And he was delightful. Uh, we also had Leslie Odom Jr., who is one of the, the original stars of Hamilton, who has an incredible, incredible voice, probably has the best song in Hamilton with Wait For It. Mm. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I stand by it. Um, he does a great, great song with her. And then you have Luke Evans, who, you know, is is a very good singer. We've, we've seen him in things like uh, the Beauty and the Beast live action singing um as with apparently all welsh men he sounds like he belongs in a choir because luke evans had a variety show was it last year or the year before i think on got bbc right. or itv i'm really <laughs> being specific here one year on one channel and i really like this return to the variety format particularly i was thinking with a multi-talented what triple quadruple threat like hannah waddingham because I think there was a real period of that in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, like Cher's variety show is one of the top ones of all time. Yeah. You had like Shirley Bassey, people like that were doing these kind of shows. And I feel like it's finally nice to have that platform for someone as talented as someone like Hannah, who's also a woman. It's true, isn't it? Because it kind of it kind of survived as people coming on to a chat show and doing one song. Mm. But it, it they kind of lost that idea of the host sings with them and it's something you only do on this show and it's a one-off. And it may be because everyone's schedule is more crazy now. You know, I don't think anybody really rehearses for Graham Norton, say, or, or one of the American shows like Jimmy Kimmel or something. I think generally they just go on, they're charming, they go home again. 
Um, and you do need at least a little quick run through if you're going to sing with someone, do a new song, whatever it is for the first time. But yeah, you're right. It, I think if there's maybe a market for it. Maybe there's room for that to come back. It's kind of like how photo booths are coming back after that void. I feel like with things like Top of the Pops being cancelled and those kind of platforms for music and live performances that maybe we're going to see a resurgence of that like shows like this. That would be a good thing. I mean, not least because, you know, musicians can't make a living out of recording music because, you know, Spotify and all the rest are giving them pennies where they w- would once have gotten pounds. Um, but also, you know, you're right. There's there's not a lot of options unless you're on TikTok, which I believe you are. You, you certainly um, stalk TikTok and send me cool videos. Um, then I don't know where live performance has gone. Otherwise, it's it's a difficult thing to find. She also brought in people that she clearly is connected to, has relationships with. She had two of her, she said, her oldest friends there who she spends Christmas with anyway. She had the London Gay Men's Chorus mm. who, I mean, pop up quite a lot around London. I think if, it's fair to say if you are if you are a local here, you know, they will maybe sing one year at Liberty or something at some point in the run up to Christmas or they'll sing in Trafalgar Square or something. Um, but it was lovely to see them get such a showcase here and get, get a funny moment as well, mm. get to sort of uh, be vamping while she's off stage changing into another fabulous outfit and they're desperately trying to fill time. I thought that was really fun. And the idea of them following her around, they're like personal cheerleaders encouraging her. I'm like, there is a service to be, you know. <laughs> I was worried actually there'd be a backlash to that to that little joke in the, in the, in the show, that idea that uh, the London Gay Men's Chorus follows her, her around and narrates her life. Um, you know, the sort of the idea of the gay best friend as an accessory mm. to a straight woman, obviously, is is not one that people tend to embrace. But I would argue, I think that it's it's defanged, if you like, in this case, by the fact that she, that Hannah Waddingham herself is very much, I believe, a gay icon, and therefore I think you know she's allowed to make the joke in reverse, right? I feel like yeah. I hope I hope I'm not being unfair. I'm obviously not a gay man. It's not my choice, not my place to say. Oh, it's definitely okay, but it feels like it's meant in the right spirit here. Completely. Although I'd argue just generally having a choir supporting me at all times, no matter <laughs> their background, is ideal. Really, it would be. It would be good. But what if something really embarrassing happened, and they're there like soundtracking the embarrassment? I feel like that could swiftly become very awful indeed. I feel like this is the rom-com that Phil Dumpster could be in. I think we're getting there. (laughs) Okay, so he's a man who has just met the woman of his dreams, but also is being followed at all times by a choir. Can only he see and hear them? And and this is kind of driving him slightly mad and getting in the way of his plans to meet this woman. Yeah, it's kind of like a blend of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and Ghosts, that he can see the choir, but no one else can see the choir. I I feel like we're onto something here. I don't know. If I were a film executive, I would be listening to this podcast in awe at the number of great film ideas or something that myself and my guests have come up with over the years. We have uh, certainly come up with some original takes on things. Hello, I'm Martin. I'm Sam. And every week we get together on our podcast Song by Song to discuss the music of Tom Waits. Uh, Waits is a writer, musician and performer. Uh, You might know him from his four decades of songs like uh, What's He Building In There, Downtown Train, Martha, Rain Dogs. Or you might have seen him in films like Dracula, uh, The Fisher King, uh, The Mm -hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or if you made it that far, Licorice Pizza. 
We're joined every week by guests from various backgrounds and disciplines, and together we take a close listen to his work, analysing the topics and tones he uses in his music, and honestly engaging with one of the most interesting voices of his generation. Listen to our latest season or dive into our back catalogue by visiting songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Was there anything that you kind of expected or wanted from that you maybe didn't get? Was there anything that you were a bit like less keen on? How did it? How did it feel overall? I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't look up this uh, song list beforehand, so I was surprised as the songs went on. And I was disappointed Baby It's Cold Outside wasn't on there because I thought, mm. I imagined her doing that with Luke Evans and I was like, mm, those voices, blending. That would have been good. That would have been very good. Um, I saw a great joke, I think from the reductress this week, saying that Baby It's Cold Outside is problematic because it minimises the effect of climate change, um, <laughs> which is which is absolutely the only take I'm really willing to listen to about that song. That song is clearly flirtatious, it is clearly consensual. Yes. It is absolutely, like, get a get a grip if you think it's problematic. I'm sorry. It is clearly a playful song. It was actually written by a husband and wife and sung by them as a sign for their guests to leave their parties. Uh, anyway, I'm just, It's I the can't. hill I would die on. Every Christmas I do get into this argument. Yeah. Because A, how aspirational as a couple that you sing a song and everyone knows, oh, it's our cue to leave. Like That's the dream to be able to tell people to leave without being rude. Mm -hmm. The fact that if you analyse the lyrics, they're all references to like, say what's in this drink was an ongoing joke about the idea. There was no alcohol in the drink at all, but you could blame the alcohol. The fact in the 1950s, a woman could be like, yeah, I'm up for some fun tonight. She had to kind of pretend that she had been seduced because of the etiquette of the time. I want to hear Hannah sing that song. That is, a it, honestly, that, well, now I'm cross too that that wasn't in there. Yeah. I was maybe also, if I'm perfectly honest, expecting more of, not big finish. It does have a big finish and I want to talk about that in a minute, mm. but like maybe one more big cameo or something or... And, and I was glad that Jason Sudeikis turned up at the end, even though that was a little gentle sort of capper on the thing rather than a big kind of finale moment. I thought that was nice. I thought that felt like support rather than stealing the limelight from his co-star kind of a thing. So I thought that was that was really nicely done. But I don't know if I wanted one more big guest star maybe. And maybe that's totally unfair because I think what's here is lovely and everyone, and she has clearly chosen people that she loves, knows, respects, and that's there's a lot to be said for that, but I don't know. Maybe I just, I'm just greedy. I think I just wanted one more. I'll agree with you in the sense that it doesn't like crescendo. It's just pretty consistent without in terms of who pops up, how they pop out and what they kind of do together. 
And then Jason's visit at the end is like the kind of cherry on the cake that's already formed. Yes. Yes, I think that's right. They did a charity fundraiser together. Uh, was it last month, I think? Hannah, Jason, mm-hmm. and is it Brendan? I think so, yes. And they sang Shallow, which was beautiful. That was gorgeous, yes. Even though I have a long-standing complaint that Shallow needs a second verse and doesn't really have one. Uh, two verses before the chorus don't count as two verses. They count as one verse. And then you need a second verse after the chorus, not just a bridge for the rest of the song. Anyway, look, I'm just getting back on one of my hobby horses. I'm going to stop <laughs> now. But um, but no, that was actually, that that clip is available on YouTube, as are, by the way, some of her performances in Spamalot. I really recommend going back and listening to some of her roles as Lady of the Lake because it, it shows that she... You know, she was quite controlled, quite contained on Ted Lasso. Her character mm. was very kind of wind up tight a lot of the time. If you watch her as the Lady of the Lake, you will see that is absolutely not how she has to be. She can 100% play to the rafters when she wants to. And I think she does a bit in this special as mm. well. And I think what's also notable about this special is, um, you know, it, it maybe doesn't crescendo, but it does have a finale. It does have a definite finale. Everybody on stage, everybody sort of swaying together. Uh, her in yet another fabulous dress, and we should talk about which dress is the best in the minute. And her literally finishing on an an impossible high note. I mean, the 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 big note at the end of that song is Streisand big, and I think higher than Streisand because Streisand is a is I think either a mezzo or an alto. Uh, Hannah Waddingham's got some pipes, man. I mean, I I, I maybe that's controversial, but here that's I am. That's the poster quote. <laughs> She's got some pipes. <laughs> Uh, in terms of favourite dresses, I might yeah. go for the gold. Uh, the gold sequin number at the start. Breathtaking. The gold sequin number at the start. It is. It's what I want to be when I grow up. It's, <laughs> it's like, make me the human embodiment of an Oscar, but like much hotter. Like that's, that's the dream really, is just make me look perfect. That That is what you want. And that dress is astonishing. There's that joke Nick Mohammed has about, oh, we were going to have more snow, but we blew the whole budget on the dress. And uh, Hannah goes, worth it. And 100%, like, I, I feel like yeah. every head in the audience just went, yep, yeah, that is correct. Yes, it was worth it. Yeah. It's just the fact she manages to sing, well, there must be some sort of architecture going on to form the figure beyond natural gift from godness. And she still sings like that. Yeah. Maybe, I, in fairness, you sing from your diaphragm. So maybe when you are wearing a corset, if she's wearing a corset, she does basically have that figure. Um maybe it actually kind of helps support the diaphragm, helps keep you upright. You know, that's what you want as a singer. You want your shoulders back and down. You want your body upright. You want to be singing from the diaphragm. I feel like, I feel like maybe it's, maybe it's a secret weapon, Mm. but yeah, it's stunning. And this is no disrespect to the white dress. This is no disrespect to, I think, two red dresses. Mm. Um, I, I feel a little bit sad for the red dress that got in the hot tub because while I understand the impulse, I also worry for the dress. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 a pretty stunning selection, as it should be. What I really got the sense of is how much she appreciates it, that this is happening mm-hmm. later on in her career and she understands the significance of it all and she embraces it all like wholeheartedly. I think that's 100% true. I think there's a sense of gratitude and a sense of excitement that you can feel. And I think that's why we feel, and I think everybody watching feels so happy for her watching this. It feels like a girl done good situation. It doesn't feel, and I say this with the greatest of respect to Mariah, but Mariah feels like this is, this is just me. This is what I deserve. An entire Christmas special themed around the greatness of me. And that is very much Mariah Carey's thing. And I respect it. No judgment. 
Hannah Waddingham feels like, oh my God, there's a Christmas special themed around me. Can you believe it? Oh my God. Um, which is also very charming. And she does deserve it. She's done some incredible work. But it, it, you're right, it has that sense of fizziness and that sense of, I can't believe this is actually happening. And that is a really beautiful thing. And you can see that in some of her facial expressions, which aren't quite like polished. I don't want to call them gurning because that's such like a mean sounding word, but there's a real like embracing it and disbelief and natural organicness and how she reacts sometimes that is just so likeable. Yeah, she's just a very likeable person, I think. She comes across super well here. It's always, of course, like it's a... It's a very easy but very effective tool to bring your your lovely parents and adorable daughter with you. I, I appreciate that she clearly doesn't want her daughter's face on screen. Hundred percent agree. You know your your daughter doesn't need to be out there, kind of for everybody to see. But um, I thought she just really walked that line beautifully and made it feel like a family celebration that we all just happen to be invited to. And what's more Christmassy than that? Hundred percent. The kind of coming together for wonderful tunes and gorgeous costumes and set design. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so on the sort of Christmassy scale, um, how would how would you rate this for its Christmassiness? This is a technical term that we deploy here on Bahambag, mm. but what do you think? I feel like it's a solid seven, like very Christmassy. It's not everything, but I don't know what the missing three points need to do to get up to a ten, if that makes sense. I just my gut was a seven. That's fair. That's fair. You got to go with well, your gut. I think I think you're probably right. I think you know the songs are incredible. The costumes are spectacular. The staging, by the way, we should say, looks immense. I think the Coliseum looks absolutely brilliant in this. And maybe it just needed that extra element. Maybe when she comes back and does a second one, which I think she's well up for, so hopefully if this does well, she will. Um, maybe then we get, you know, bigger budget, bigger stars, more kind of crazy surprises. What do you think? Maybe it's cold outside. Like... <laughs> Who would you want from the Game of Thrones cast to join her here? Oh, I'm trying to think about who I know can sing from that cast. Kit Harrington perform, oh, was it like a Coldplay song for Comic Relief or something? As part of a joke? I vaguely remember. I think Kit Harrington would be fun, but maybe not as polished. Fair enough. Yeah, we might have to think through this one for a little while. It, it nobody ha- Nobody did a lot of singing in Game of Thrones. I can't think why, given how many songs were associated with massacres in that show. Very odd. Anyway, probably best. <laughs> anyway, listen, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me on this. Uh, where can people find more about you online? Where are you Where are you most available? Uh, on Instagram and on X at Sometimes Movies. Uh, I use TikTok for viewing, not for making, so I'm not interesting on that. <laughs> You're lurking, not, not actually creating. Oh yeah, always watching Christmas style. Like Santa Claus. Thank you so much. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, that's it for this episode of Bar Humbug. Please join us next time for more Christmas movies madness. In the meantime, I've been your host, Helen O'Hara. This podcast is edited by Ben Williams and produced by Kobe Omanaka for Stripped Media. And if you've enjoyed the pod, please do rate us with five shiny Christmas stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. But whatever you do, happy holidays! just heard a stripped media production.